Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here, Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Utney Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Fun show so far. If you're on YouTube, we hope you'll hit that like button, ring that bell, hit the alerts. You'll be alerted anytime we go live or any of the uh, great shows here on the Outkick Network. Every time you say ring that bell, Hutton, I I hear James Kahn in the program saying in the pregame pep talk, we're going to ring that bell. We're going to ring that championship bell. And then Latimer in a roid rage says, ding, bleeping, bleeping, (laughs) dong. And I always want to follow it up with that. We've got uh, Clay Travis coming up in 20 minutes. If you know, Always you know. Great. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking I, about. I, I haven't seen. Latimer in I the skeleton say, face paint is when he's doing it. When oh, he gets back on the tremendous juice. Tremendous movie. And then the very end, the very last game, they're trying to win the conference championship. Yes. And he says, we're going to, and he's, he's like, I need 60 minutes of snot bubbles. And he's hitting people's shoulder pads, James Kahn. We're going to ring that championship bell. <laughs> Ding, da, 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 <laughs> dong. And everyone goes nuts. Oh, such an iconic film. Chad will make movie references all the time. And you I think you'll agree. I've seen probably two or three percent, maybe that's high, of of the film that you've uh, you've that seen you've more than that. Life. I think you've probably seen like ten to fifteen percent of okay. them. But you've seen it maybe one or two percent of the amount I'm, of times I'm I have. I'm always amazed. I don't have kids. You know, I'm not going to ball practice. I'm well, I'm always not watching ama- the program with my eight year old. I know, but so. you watch a lot. I'm always amazed with what you you are able to consume with your schedule. Yeah, it, well, more so, like, the movies that I quote, Hutton, are stuff that I just watch as a kid over and over and over again. Yeah, like, this is stuff yeah. I watched on VHS. See, uh, or early DVD. If, I would watch this with a buddy when I spent the night with him in 7th or 8th grade. Yeah. We would watch the program I, on repeat so I know the whole movie. My references are, you would think I've only seen Wolf of Wall Street or Home Alone. That's pretty much it. yeah. And you probably watch it every year. It's like a seasonal watch yeah. for oh, you now. Yeah, multiple times. I don't go back and watch Home anything one, over and over again two. anymore. Now now that I'm a dad and, and have a job and have responsibilities, I don't watch things over and over. But, I mean, anything I watch from six years old to 23 years old, I, I if I liked it, I saw it four times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Minimum, I, I saw it four times. I didn't go to Home Loan 3. I stopped it too. Yeah, you've seen Wolf of Wall Street multiple times. Oh, absolutely. I would watch it. It's one of those movies you just stop on. It's uh, Remember the Titans. If Remember the Titans is on, I've seen that many you're times. scrolling for something, and you're stopping to see where they are in the movie. Hoosiers, same way. Well, I, same I just way. remember um, like the, watching the program felt like the fall to me as, as a young person. Like, when it, yeah. it came out, I want to say... Yeah, you remember the- 92, 93, 94, right around there, early, early, mid 90s. And I remember being like a middle school age kid and watching that and it feeling like fall weather, watching that movie. It's also when you're a kid, like the first introduction to, oh man, this is, this is what big time college football is like. You know, you just assume everyone's on roids and, you know, taking $100 <laughs> handshakes, which maybe they were at that time. I mean, Bill Romanowski did mention 
deer antler spray. Yeah, it's very much a uh, extreme version of the truth of college football of the time, right? That definitely was going on in some places, every you know, to some extent, but not as much as it was in the movie. Still a great movie. 1993, Ace says, was the program. People chiming in on Again, the YouTube chat, loving the program. If you need trivia when it comes to movie history or just date, he's Chad is the you're the you're you you have the ability like some with wine they can tell you the year that's you with movies. I want to do a just a whole we can do a whole episode maybe you know after football season during the summer the small of game. greatest big screen slash small screen coaches. And I would put James Kahn in the program up there right alongside Nick Nolte as Coach Pete Bell in Blue Chips. Very underrated for their pregame pep talks. And Coach Pete Bell with the legendary press conference where he admits to all the cheating they were doing uh, in the press conference when he's asked about it. As uh, Nick Nolte, great. He's channeling Bob Knight the whole time who he learned under for the, for the role. Uh, James Kahn, though, has some... This Just great... iconic moments talking to his team. I see. I think of Pacino and Denzel. That, oh, How about the coaches. But again, like the, D- you're Denzel, right. Denzel, and all timer also. Um, but the scene in the program. One, one more, one more recollection. It's great. when James Conn comes in at halftime, throws over the Gatorade on the floor in anger when they're playing like bleep, and then at the end of it, the the backup <laughs> quarterback who is also dating his daughter. <laughs> He's, he, I think his name was Collins, and he yells at him, Collins, get a mop and clean this up. <laughs> Immediately. Because he gets up, yeah, coach, he thinks he's going in because he's yelling <laughs> the starting quarterback, get a mop and clean this up. And then he just slams his door. Great moment. Chad, uh, some great moments in week one across the league, and some that, that there are examples of week one is also a liar. There are some truths, but also a liar. For instance, um, the most three and outs in week one, the Cincinnati Bengals, 67% of their possessions, they took three snaps and then Burrow came back to the sideline. The Eagles were second on the list at 62%. Point being, I think we agree, that's not going to be the storyline of those two offenses. There are others where it's a struggle and it was last year too. Where I, I think we really have to buy in to where we are in week 18 are the divisional matchups that took place last Sunday. Because while I think it's easy to just say, well, the Bengals, it's just one week. It's a long season. It is. But the divisional loss, the Bills losing to the Jets. Maybe the Jets don't make the playoffs. But they beat Buffalo that comes back to be a tiebreaker if it's between Miami and Buffalo at the end of the year. For home field advantage, wild card spot, winner of the division, maybe to get in, get out. Who knows? But the Giants, the Seahawks, and Bengals and Bills with divisional losses, those are the ones that come to mind. Of course, Carolina, there were some other divisional matchups, but I don't think anyone's pointing to the Panthers as a playoff team. They could be in a bad division. That will factor in come January. And the same goes for conference losses. The Chargers losing to Miami in what was a great game. Or the Vikings losing at home to Tampa Bay. That's one of the tiebreakers as well when it comes to where you're finishing and where you're going to be seated come playoff time. That matters. 
especially if you have a true home field advantage based on weather, and that factors in. So I agree with most of what the teams put out there, where it's uh, we have corrections to make, but look, it's a long year. We're not going to harp on one game. We will be looking back at some of these individual games and losses and some wins based on what happened in week one. And I, I understand why the NFL puts in divisional matchups at the end of the year because they don't want teams, or some teams could do it, they don't want a bunch of teams being able to just rest starters and not have impactful games going into the final week. I don't know why they schedule so many in week one where offenses are routinely and normally slower out of the gate than defenses, some at a snail's pace, and others, Chad, that are ready to go and then suffer some consequences based on injury and, and other things. Simply put, a week one to week 18 discrepancy in the individual matchup within a division shouldn't happen that long. And week one, have conference matchups. I'm not for the divisional matchups the way they have it structured, especially if teams are going back-to-back road games. And Cleveland's got a litany of AFC North matchups within the first five weeks of the season. Hutton, there's one divisional matchup this weekend that we haven't had a chance to really talk a lot about. Raiders over Broncos. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, another example of that. And we're probably sleeping on that because of the Chiefs in the AFC West, because the Chargers-Dolphins no, was such a great right high-scoring game, right? So you look at those two teams and automatically think those are the teams to beat in the AFC West. That's a big win for the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo. You got Sean Payton coming out of the gates with the onside kick that would have worked at his kicker, let it go. Yeah. Another foot. Instead, he goes nine and a half yards, and it's a turnover. They give the ball right there to the Raiders. Uh, that was a very competitive game. Maybe one that we don't even think about come the end of the season might be impactful well, for those teams. It will be impactful in how we view Sean Payton. You know, because it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. I, I'm a believer, a strong believer in that. But come February and March, when you're going through the draft and you just look at a record and rattle off stats, you're not thinking about what happened in September as much as you are the total, the, the, the returns on the, the test that was the 2023 season. And he's supposed to go in there and fix everything. He's in charge of everything. And Russell Wilson and Sean Payton are married to each other yeah. because Payton chose this. They've got to be much better than what they were. Uh, can they improve? Absolutely. Jerry Judy's banged up. There are other things they can point to. But I think it's it's bigger. Just And also look at the flip side. Josh McDaniels. And what's at stake for him? And Jimmy G just continues to win. He wins. It's not pretty. But the guy just has another victory instead of a loss compared to other quarterbacks. Of those AFC divisional winners in week one, Cleveland over Cincinnati. That's a big one for Cleveland. Jets over Buffalo. Raiders over Denver. Jacksonville over Indy. Yep. Am I leading, leaving out another AFC one? Um, I think that's it. I don't think so. I think that's it for them. Which one are you the biggest believer in? Of being 1-0 in the division? Cleveland. Because of the way Pittsburgh looked. Baltimore, it was 7-6 at halftime to Houston. And they, they struggled. It wasn't easy. They've got a new coordinator. They picked it up in the second half. But, Chad, it, Cleveland is stacked. If Deshaun Watson 
can pick up the pace. Now they had they 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 made the right call on kicker too in Cleveland. Dustin Hopkins beat out Cade York and in the rain and some sloppy conditions and that stadium's normally going to have it. He nailed kicks that ultimately extended the lead and put Cincinnati in a spot where they couldn't come back, even if they were going to get on a roll. See, I, I think the Browns are the most impressive. Uh, I'm with you there. That's the team I think that looked the best in week one in that win. I go Jacksonville is the most impactful because of what's happening around them. That's a nice road win in Indy yeah. to start the season. Trevor Lawrence looked good. Calvin Ridley looked great with Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence in that offense. Awesome. Houston right. looked terrible, and we expected that. But they looked terrible against Baltimore. And the Titans lost. But and the Titans, non, a non-conference yeah, game. Yeah, the Titans weren't terrible in a one-point road loss to New Orleans. But well, they scored 15 points. That's the issue. Let's put it this way. It's one of 17. It's week one. But any thought that you know I had even coming into the season of, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be really improved and have a big year. Oh, for one, because he was bad within that offense. But I, there's no way he's worse than that. I would hope not. That, that's the worst we've seen him play since he was traded from Miami. Tua, uh, the AFC win on the road, that's big because there's a chance that that comes down to a wild card spot. And the Chargers now have. They're on the road here in Nashville this week. They do not need to start 0-2. No. Uh, and Miami won't. Uh, Miami's got New England coming up. It's crazy to think about, but the Titans are at home against the Chargers, but it still feels like there's so much more urgency for the Chargers. There has to be. Based on the season they, they want to have uh, within that division. But I think there should be urgency for the Titans, too, because this is a team that can compete for that division, and you don't want to fall 0-2. And losing game number two at home. But I don't, I don't feel that same sense for the Titans. Chad, what do you make of the, uh, the report that the NCAA could dissolve and the top teams could partner with the NFL? So, like a farm system type uh, situation. More or less. And it already Minor is. Minor league. Yeah, they've already got the perfect setup. So, the NFL does, I'm saying. Sports Business Journal says that quote-unquote, a half-dozen sources believe that there's potential opportunity for the league to swoop in in the NCAA once and for all, bring stability to college football. And there's a part in this. The top 50 teams in college football sign a grant of rights uh, in a partnership of Fox Sports, Disney, and the NFL. Uh, the mess that is college football right now is seemingly right for some kind of NFL intervention. I So when I see that, I think of one thing on behalf of the National Football League. They already have the farm system, and it's free. They, they don't need... They've, they've said this, and they're telling us that they dissolved NFL Europe for a reason. They've got the U.S. They don't need to partner with the USFL or with the XFL. That's going to happen anyway, and it's not a threat to them. And they have college football that they compete against for ratings, but really not. No. Uh, maybe in bowl season. But again, not really. And they're going to get the top players anyway, regardless of where they're playing. 57 players from Alabama, I believe, are in the league this year across different rosters. That's the tops across any college football uh, club uh, program. Why would you then have to create your own and get things off the ground? And you have the TV partnerships, but you, you, don't. you don't really need to do it. No, you don't. And, and he, college football does not need saving from the NFL. College football needs to get out of its own way. Let the market dictate 
what it's going to well, be. Well, if they just stopped, the networks, the networks, right? the networks are deciding that, and that's what I mean by the market. Right. But if they just stopped the movement and said, okay, here's where we are with the SEC and the Big Ten, the two top conferences, the other ones have good TV contracts in place, at least Big Twelve, ACC, where they can now survive. And let's let it play out and see what happens. Well, what you're going to see is what we're seeing now, cream rising to the top. Valuable brands that are in valuable conferences that get 8 to 12 million people watching games that we've seen in college football. Numbers are up. Ratings are up. Look at Colorado, Nebraska, matching Texas and Oklahoma. A new brand, an old brand playing at 11 a.m. Central Time versus a night game on ESPN. Pretty much equal ratings. People are watching college football at the highest level, yes. just step out of the way and let the market decide what's going to survive and what's not. And what we're eventually going to have is this super conference. I don't know how many teams will be included, but it's going to be far less than what we see now in college football. Well, and, and, and they don't need the NFL to save them to do that. Just keep in mind, NFL media, the NFL would love to partner. They're looking for that investment to take over that side of the business. That could include what this report is putting out through sources coming up clay travis joins us discuss quite a bit from the past weekend looked ahead to his best batch next hey i'm a dad and i know what dads want for father's day they want steak world-class omaha steaks look dads deserve top quality american beef and that's what you'll get with Omaha Steaks as their Father's Day gift. I gift Omaha Steaks constantly to guests on my show. Urban Meyer, the football coach, Mike Krzyzewski, the basketball coach, Kevin Pritchard, general manager of the Indiana Pacers, just to name a few, have received the gift of steak, Omaha Steaks, from me. Order mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99, and as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Give the gift that I give to guests on my show. Mouth-watering gift packages from Omaha Steaks starting at just 99 bucks. And as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Sack up and get your dad something he'll love this Father's Day. 6th and Peabody, our broadcast location for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, I follow uh, Clay Travis's wagering advice, especially at the beginning of seasons. He normally starts on a roll. He really does his off-season research. Yeah, or sometimes week one was incredible for Clay. Yeah, twelve and six, I believe, uh, was the start for him. Take that, take that record anyway. At, at take it to to PointsBet and Outkick.com/slash/bet. If you haven't taken your shot with PointsBet, now is the perfect moment. Exclusively, first-time PointsBet users. A unique offer. You place the uh, initial bet of $50 or more on any game. Maybe it's Tennessee, Florida this weekend. We'll get Clay's take on that in a moment. You receive an official jersey from Fanatics.com by making that initial bet of 50 plus. If jerseys aren't your thing, opt for $150 in credit to Fanatics and load up on the gear that you truly want. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. And if you're ready to get in the game, Head over to outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet is your one-stop shop for all things wagering. You can stack this offer and discover more great deals from our partner, Sportsbooks. Clay Travis joins us now. Clay, hope things are well, man. I'm good. How are y'all? Uh, fantastic. Are, you're, you're saying I take your advice this week would mean taking Florida and the, the points, correct, against Tennessee? 
Yeah, I'm not sure what the absolute latest is. Uh, you know, I placed my bets early in the week. Uh, so I got Florida uh, plus seven and a half. I don't know if that number has gone down under uh, seven and a half yet or under seven, which obviously is a, is a big difference uh, from a gambling perspective. Uh, but I, I just think Tennessee is favored by too many based on what we've seen historically. And also, I, I frankly don't think Tennessee has been that impressive for two weeks. I'm going to get the updated line in a moment. I, oh, here it is. It, it, so now it's six and a half. You still stick with Florida yeah. on that? I still think I would take Florida. Obviously, I'd rather have for people out there who don't pay a lot of attention to gambling. All points and all half points are not created equally. Um, so the difference between, let's say, seven and a half and six and a half, even though it's only a point, given how often games end up on one side of a touchdown or another, is far more substantial than the difference might be, say, between, uh, I, I don't know, 12 and, uh, 12 and 13 and a half or, uh, or 11 and 13 and a half, right? There are a lot of points that are not created equal, and this is a big swing. Uh, to go with uh, with Tennessee now under a touchdown favorite. But I still would take Florida, I think. So, Clay, I, I look at, you know, you said Tennessee not looking all that impressive so far this season. Certainly Florida did not look good on that Thursday night against Utah. Alabama losing to Texas. A- outside of Georgia, doesn't it feel like the SEC is in for a bit of a down season? Well, I think it's not only, I mean, so the five biggest games that the SEC has played so far this year, let me see if I can get it right. Florida State, double-digit win over LSU. Alabama, double-digit, I mean, sorry, Texas, double-digit win over Alabama. Uh, North Carolina, double-digit win over South Carolina. Utah, double-digit win over Florida. Um, and, uh, and, And you start to look at all those, and you say it's not just that the SEC is losing, it's that the SEC is losing and losing by double digits as you break down each of these games. And so uh, at least the early part of the season, the losses are far more consequential and significant, I think, than, uh, than the wins are. And, um, and that's ominous, I think, if you are a, a fan of the SEC, because usually – what happens is the SEC racks up all these out-of-conference wins, and then that's the breathing room that helps to get more than one team potentially into the college football playoff. I think it'll matter less when we go to 12, but the fact that the SEC has lost what I would say are the five biggest out-of-conference games that they have played so far this year uh, is the biggest outcome so far uh, for the SEC, uh, for the college football season so far. Clay Travis with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Clay, Mel Tucker facing uh, accusations and uh, complaints from a a rape survivor and activist in Brenda Tracy. At Michigan State, he's suspended until they finish their look-in after receiving the results of a Title IX investigation. They've had a ton of phone calls and then allegedly one phone call of phone sex that apparently could cost him $80 million. Is it, is the entire case centered around this one call and the fact that Brenda Tracy could not hang up the phone? Yeah, I think to a large extent it is. And I think you can go and look at what USA Today reported. I always like to say, okay, what are the undisputed facts? 
uh, and the undisputed facts are these. Uh, the two of them had 27 calls, and the average length of those calls was over 30 minutes. Um, I would submit that most people do not engage in 30-plus-minute phone calls that often. So here there were 27 of them. And on the alleged uh, night of the phone sex, it was a post-midnight East Coast call. She was on the West Coast in Oregon, and it lasted 36 minutes. Uh, a, couple of minute, a couple of months uh, after this phone call, she texted Happy Father's Day to him. Um, so, again, I'm not an expert, but the idea that you would engage in a 36-minute phone call, she said basically that she wasn't able to hang up, that she panicked, for lack of a better way, uh, that she was frozen, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it. It just doesn't add up to me. Um, and I think it doesn't add up for a lot of people. And the idea that you would end up firing somebody uh, over this situation, she was not a Michigan State employee. Uh, the only reason there's a Title IX investigation going on at all is because she was paid to speak. Um, and it seems to me that he made the decision that he didn't want her to continue to work at Michigan State because he wasn't uh, comfortable with how their relationship was being discussed. And so, I mean, again, I think you look at all of this and the facts suggest that, uh, that Mel Tucker's being railroaded. Yeah, Clay, that's, you mentioned things that don't add up. What also hasn't added up is his win-loss record since signing that $95 million contract. Doesn't this all just seem a little too convenient that this is now happening and that they can claim that it is with cause and get out from under that contract? And if Mel Tucker is winning, like, I don't know, Jim Harbaugh, is winning at Michigan or winning like he was when he after he signed that or right before he signed that contract, this would probably be something they would be defending their coach on? Potentially. I mean, I, I think in general, the more you win, uh, the more you can get uh, outside the bounds of, you know, quote-unquote acceptable conduct. Um, I think that's true, by the way, everywhere. I think the guy who sells more cars on the car lot can get away with more than the person who is the worst uh, at selling cars, right? People know and understand, um, you know, the guy who's the best on the football team probably can get away with misbehavior that the guy who's the worst on the football team can't, right? We have shifting oftentimes standards for behavior based on performance. That's pretty commonplace in all facets. But that doesn't mean that, to me, the standard of, hey, you engaged in uh, a phone sex conversation, therefore you can't coach football anymore. But that seems really strange to me, right? Um, and even if she is a, uh, a person who came and spoke on campus, that doesn't seem like it rises to the level of, hey, your moral authority is gone now. You can no longer catch uh, coach football. And it feels to me, and this is a big part of it too, it feels to me like she's trying to get him fired because she was upset that he canceled a speaking engagement that she had scheduled. So I think that's a big part of this story, too, uh, that can't be overlooked. She didn't make this complaint until he canceled one of her speaking engagements. My read on this is he was interested in her. She was interested in him. At some point in time, he made the decision, you know what, I need to break this off. This is not uh, a good decision by me. Uh, and when he made that decision, 
um, she was upset and decided that there needed to be consequences for, in her opinion, behavior that he was involved in that she found to be inexcusable retroactively. I just I don't buy into the fact that somebody says something on a phone call that lasts 36 minutes and you're so stunned by it that you can't hang up on them. Uh, that doesn't add up to me. Um, and so put simply, I don't buy her story. And I just think Mel Tucker is being treated unfairly. Um, I'm not saying that what he did was uh, appropriate or that it was, you know, morally sound, but I don't think it's worthy of being able to, to cancel a $80 million contract. Clay Travis, Outkick founder with us on Hot My With Hutton and Withrow from a Title IX complaint that was filed to a, a lawsuit that's been filed against the NFL uh, by Jim Trotter, uh, formerly of NFL Network and NFL.com, who's now with The Athletic. Uh, so many different branches to this to this story uh, on the tree there, Clay. I, I, I want to zero in on one allegation and one guy who was named in this is the Bills owner, uh, Terry Pagula. And the... The idea that, at least for me, in 2020, the NFL media had a, a video conference call where the topic was about social activism amongst uh, black NFL players. The idea that in 2020, on this call, uh, Pagula is alleged to have made a remark that is reported as, quote, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is, end quote that we're sitting here in 2023 and that hasn't been a massive story from 2020. I just don't buy that given what the headlines were, were at the time and still remain. Well, my understanding is a couple of things on that comment. Uh, one, the NFL said that that was a uh, allegation and they investigated it and they found that it wasn't said. I think it's very unlikely that if that was said, and I think it was said that they alleged on like a group chat call, like a Zoom style call during yes. COVID restrictions. Yes. The idea that somebody wouldn't have that recorded right. uh, anywhere seems highly, highly unlikely. And again, the NFL said they investigated it. They weren't able to determine that it occurred. Second part of that. Um, so I, I feel like there would be tangible evidence of that. He didn't witness it himself. He said that he had been told that that was said. So he's making an allegation that he doesn't have any actual tangible evidence of himself, which feels to me like a desperate attempt to get attention for his lawsuit. So both of those things, I think, are very significant as you go towards assessing whether they were likely said or not. The other part of this, and I think this is a big part, and I think a lot of people sort of understand it in general. The only reason he filed this lawsuit was because the NFL chose not to continue his contract. Okay? I always think this is important. If, if the things at the NFL are so awful that you can't justify them, why did you want to keep working there? Why were you fine continuing to take a paycheck from the NFL? To me, it's amazing how often people file lawsuits after they decide that they no longer want to be employed, after they're told that they're no longer able to be employed, right? It would be one thing if he said, you know what, I'm stepping away 
I'm outraged by what I've seen at the NFL. I'm going to file a lawsuit, some grounds or other. Uh, instead, none of this would have ever come out if the NFL had just kept paying him. I don't know what his salary is. Let's say his salary is $250,000 a year. All the NFL had to do was extend his salary and none of this ever comes out and he never says a word about it. Um, that seems strange to me. Uh, and so uh, the reason why he filed the lawsuit is because he's not employed at the NFL anymore. And my thing is, well, if the NFL is as bad as you claim it is, why in the world did you want to keep working there? And why would this lawsuit have never gone public if the NFL had simply decided to continue your employment, pay you, you know, again, I don't know what his salary is, two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's say that's what he was making. Um, I always think it's important to understand why these stories come out um, and what is the uh, sort of underlying rationale for them. Yeah. And going back to Pagula, just thinking through what you said there, Clay, it's, and we're up against it, but the idea that everyone in the meeting appeared to be frozen and didn't know how to respond, uh, we would have to believe that they've been frozen and don't know how to respond for three years. Well, and, and Jim Trotter also was investigating his own boss, which is probably a reason why when they told him to stop doing sure. that, that yeah, they said, I, we're not going to renew your contract. Yeah, that he just, wasn't in alignment. It's pretty common sense they weren't going to renew the contract when he said, I'm not going to stop. Clay, we've got 20 seconds. Yeah, I hope people get the bets in. Um, you can go check it out at uh, outkick.com. I just walked through all 10 of them, uh, and I hope people enjoy it. I love the analysis. Uh, thank you, Clay. I, I love Thanks, the analysis Clay. of one of one of the games. It was just like, that's it. That's the analysis. We're going to reverse the spread, and we're going to see a, a cover just based on your typical, we're so pissed it's, off it's that we lost. better so we're at gambling than I am, so I'll take his word for it. Uh, speaking of gambling, a volleyball gambling ring was busted up. That's next. If you followed me throughout the years, you know I'm a South Dakota girl at heart who grew up in a ranching family. And I know that America First isn't just a political movement. It's a kitchen table issue, literally. You know, I always support American family-owned companies, ranchers, and farmers who put high-quality meat products on the tables of their fellow Americans. And my friends at Omaha Steaks are the experts. With Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift to give Dad than the experience of world-class Omaha Steaks? This package includes a mouth-watering assortment of Dad's grilling favorites like Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Top Sirloins, Juicy Boneless Pork Chops, Deli-Style Gourmet Jumbo Franks, and their legendary Omaha Steaks Burgers. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code OUTKICK at checkout. Get mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99. And as a bonus, use promo code OUTKICK to get $10 off your order. Sixth and Peabody are located with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on across the OutKick network. Chat, um, is it? jam-packed today it's firing firing on all cylinders like most days you can join us on uh youtube chad's in the chat right now really uh, when, Kit, I hit subscribe. when i brought up the movie the program that really sparked a, a flame with everyone and there's a lot of references to sports movies of the 90s do you think the fact of the day from davy in a moment is space related is it time 
the speed alien, of alien light. Alien related with this news out of Mexico. I don't know. Davey has been known to throw us a curveball with his fact of the day. He'll do it right now. It's time for Let's Get Weird with Davey Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Guys, not going to go super in-depth into the fact of the day. I'll pose it to you as a question, but I'm just okay. kind of curious if you know it. Uh, this country offered Albert Einstein the presidency. This country offered Albert Einstein the presidency? Yes. Now, he ultimately declined. I don't, I don't know how you would offer to, to run for president or offered him the presidency. Offered him the presidency. By this country, you mean the United States of America, right? Uh, no. It, uh, well, like it, it's, a, of- it's a oh, okay, country. Okay. But yeah. I thought it was like a, a fact or fiction question. Like this country offered him like. No, oh. I was going like, to let you guess of like which country I'm in the gonna world. I'm going to guess Liechtenstein. Uh, you got an answer? Um, let's just say Germany. It was Israel. Oh, okay. Because yeah. Israel, as you know, like formed right around the time. Of, I was thinking no, of Oppenheimer. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's right. I was so. thinking Oppenheimer too. When I, I keep thinking the scene where he's by the pond. Yes. In Princeton, when I was yes. uh, hearing the name Albert Einstein, I thought you were saying fact or fiction. Oh, was no, he it, offered it was, the presidency? And I, I was. I'm like, did I no, misread every history book ever no. and that what we could was, offer the presidency to someone? What was their reasoning you know, for that, David? Do you know? As to why they yeah. wanted him? I mean, just, I mean, a brilliant mind to kind of come in as this country is getting up and going. I, I think it, it made sense. It was somebody that was well-known, could probably put them on the map as far as, hey, we have one of the, like, the greatest thinkers of our, I, I mean, you could say more than just the century, but like of, of what we know yeah. in, in all of mankind's, smartest people like he's he's one of those guys so i i don't hate the idea i think that's actually a pretty good idea and i f- thought that was interesting i did find that out recently after seeing oppenheimer kind of like did a little bit of a deep dive there imagine the, the the leader of the country doing like equations and trying to explain things that he's figured out i am uh i've, I've gone back to the library here recently and been trying to wow. know, read many many books and um american prometheus which is the inspiration to oppenheimer Card catalog yeah, I, I go through the, now the computer card catalog. <laughs> Today I had to look for something in 943-UA uh, in, the, in there. It was a book about – I just read a book on Thomas Jefferson, and now I'm into the Lewis and Clark expedition Yeah, I'm, based on reading that. I'm reading so a book I'm, on that right now. I'm trying to start the Stephen Ambrose book on Lewis and Clark and their expedition yeah. and the notes from it. So that's, that's my next project. I wanted to read American Prometheus, which is the inspiration to Oppenheimer. Uh, no surprise, but my local library, it has like sold out for a year based on that movie and people now wanting to read the book. So I'm not able to check that one out. Did you guys check out the aliens that were revealed by the Mexican government today? I have not. I saw the image, but as it relates to what information was presented outside of just because this was presented to Mexico's Congress. Uh, by a journalist. I, I That's the extent of my knowledge on the situation. It's the it's the plot to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the way they described it. It was found in Peru. Oh, I have seen this photo. It's today. thousands of years old, they say. It's at least 70% non-human, this creature. It has three fingers. It looks just like the aliens from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I, I don't buy it in the least, but I am a little bit weirded out that an actual government agency of another country is presenting this like it's real. It looks like the corpse of E.T. It's also filmed in a very... <laughs> it's filmed in a very... Uh, 
cinematic, dramatic way in the courtroom. They're like unveiling it, and the camera has to go up and over the casket or whatever it's in to reveal the alien remains. Well, I, I don't buy it. While I believe there is life outside of just our planet, I, I think it's something we've not even been able to comprehend what it would look like. Because like all these ideas are just coming from stuff we have an idea of what they would resemble. Uh, so it's I, I don't even think what life outside of here would look like is something we can even draw and people be like, yeah, I believe that's what it would ultimately end up looking. Oh, and these remains too, I think, is it just really a small human from you know it ancient looks like times? It's carved out of rock or, or, or yeah, like an old statue. Yeah, they made. I I, I don't know. I, I'm not buying it. Hutton, you brought up the great example of all UFO sightings happen in just certain parts of the world. The vast majority of them. Like you yeah. never see it. it. Doesn't happen in Africa. The vast majority. It's all in parts of Europe or North America. That's the, wherever UFOs. The reported spot. sightings on the map, the heat map. I'm not buying it. All right, the vast baby. majority is North on, America. On to let's get weird. Sorry yes, to derail so, you. Uh, no, you're good. The first story I want to get into today is the WNBA announced their comeback player of the year, and it was Brittany Griner. She's actually co uh, comeback player of the year. I just wanted to bring this up to go back to the trade that initially happened. You know, when I was first thinking about it, I didn't see it, but I did find a graphic that, uh, well, we had it created. But it was, you remember when Sam Darnold was out with Mono and the Jets put up that graphic, like out indefinitely, mononucleosis? Yeah. You remember that? Well, I, I, I had this one created. I wish that would have came out. It just says out indefinitely held captive in a Russian prison cell. But um, <laughs> as I go and I look at the stats, you know, she actually had a pretty good stat line for the year. 17 points a game, six rebounds. Uh, the team did finish dead last. But, you know, if I, I wanted to revisit the trade, so I went and I was looking for the stats of Victor Bout. Uh, and Tyler, if you will we'll go to the next one, you actually can't find any stats for him. Uh, so there were no hits for that. But then I was like, well, maybe it's under the Merchant of Death. So then I tried another search. But unfortunately, on Basketball Reference, there there weren't any hits for that as well. So uh, we won the trade. Obviously, you, you, you can tell. The Phoenix Mercury, you're saying, definitely won this trade. Yes. Uh, with, with Victor Bout. I didn't realize that Brittany Griner was six foot nine until seeing that graphic that you popped up there, Davey. Uh, I, I thought more like six five, six six. I didn't think yeah. six foot nine. Tall glass of water. Yeah, I, I would guess like if we had to guess, I would say six seven. To what you're saying. What was the latest report that I read um, on this? Where the Russians said good luck when they when they handed her off to American authorities. I just saw uh, a headline I, that said Russians wished Brittany Griner good luck as they released her back to American authorities. The the other th- well, I mean. They're very friendly after the trade, right? I don't know if it was like a good luck, your country um, sucks, and it's worse than here. It's like, or she's good, your problem now? Good luck against the <laughs> Connecticut Sun this year in the WNBA non-playoffs that they didn't also, make. Also, I mean, it, you have to name her co-comeback player of the year because no one knows who the comeback player of the year is if they just named it to the other woman. No one yeah. pays attention to that headline. The WNBA, the last time I remember it being referenced was with... Either her initial game, or it was with the reports that there was discrimination based on a pregnancy. That was how many months ago? Well, and, and also and the uh, member, the the teammate was saying that not enough fans are showing up yeah. to support Brittany Griner. But was again, another headline. Griner's the headline of the league, and no one can even. I I have no idea who the other co comeback player of the year is. I think Candace Parker uh, won it one year coming back from uh, pregnancy. Well, like had a child and came back and won player. That's the last time I've heard of a WNBA 
comeback player of the year. Yeah. Nafisa Collier was the other person. She also had a child and so was comeback player of the year after giving birth. So okay. that was the yeah. It's a, I mean your point was spot on. We got to give it to Brittany Griner just so we can get that headline out there. But I just wanted to update people on the trade. Uh, our next story, Hutton uh, talked about it on the other side, but you guys ever had like your friends come over for a cookout and then you have like a friendly game of basketball or volleyball or I mean even just uh, playing a little bit of uh, croquet. Yeah. You know, just break out in the backyard. Been known to play a little croquet at okay. the Withrow house. So we got a set. We Moving actually. On up, Davey and Chad in the wealthy neighborhoods. With croquet. It's not. Uh, the version we play is not for the upper crust of society. It's it, a little bit more. It was either uh, red, redneck, baseball, redneck croquet. Baseball around or it was badminton. It wasn't volleyball. Oof. It's a good one. Well, we in, play a lot of burnout. Just throw the football <laughs> as hard as you can at the face of someone across from you. See if they can catch it. Uh, in Milford, Massachusetts, we've actually had one of those backyard parties get busted for an illegal volleyball gambling ring. So, so is this just them betting on their is matches? It, is or? it like a? Fr- oh wow, this is looks like it's kind of next level. Yes, it's in the street. So they're bringing in you know ringers to come in and compete, and then people are betting on the action. The net yes. is is uh, connected to light poles across from uh, on each side of the street. There would be teams travel in from out of state to compete here. I think the farthest wow. away was in uh, Florida, which will be uh, something with our next uh, story. But it reads that the police are estimating about a million dollars changed hands over <laughs> oh a year gosh. for these these rings. And it was one of those things, too, where people were constantly calling the police for noise complaints coming for uh, for their neighbors, which I can imagine if you have like all these people just kind of waiting and but I just never heard of anything like it's this. It's on concrete. They're playing yeah. volleyball on concrete. Yeah, and tough to go a million tough dollars. to go dive for a bump to get it to a set on concrete. You do it for the uh, a certain amount of coins. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's funny <laughs> too because no flesh. They said that this happened about like a block away from where the local police station was, and they weren't able to really spot this out. Kind of reminded me, you know, like a. Uh, Bin Laden was like a mile down the road of where the Pakistani version of West Point was. She's like hidden in plain sight. I, I started watching this special op series on, on Netflix last night, just the first 15 minutes of like the original spy plane footage of Bin Laden after 9-11. And it's crazy how much we've advanced in technology oh. since then with satellite. Satellite image images from space are clearer than what we saw on a space, on a, on a plane, a spy mm-hmm. plane that went right over the head of Bin Laden, which I have no idea how they could tell it was him at, at one point. Uh, we had a bunch of family volleyball games, still do on the 4th of July, but our version of it, we don't bet on it. It's like the it, we abide by no actual rules of volleyball. Loser has to clean, no, take like out the there, trash. It, we are, there are guys just going up and catching the ball in the oh. air and like trying to throw it down at someone. There are people going through the net. You're chest bumping the opponent on the other side of the net through the net. It's just it's more of a full contact, you know, body blow type version of volleyball, which I'm uh, I'm guessing that's what they played on pavement in this illegal ring. Yeah, I will try and see if we can get an update on what actually happens to the people that were organizing this. Uh, they I mean, take down their net. They'll, they'll probably get charged. <laughs> with All right, things. game's over, guys. Yeah. Go home. Yeah, un- Uncle Sam's going to want a piece of that. But our next story, guys, comes to us. We got a Florida man story. This guy, his name. Make sure I get this right. Mr. Bellucci is what we will call him. Okay. Reza Bellucci. Uh, he tried to run to London 
from Florida. Now, that might sound weird, but what he did was he created this hamster-like contraption that had all these buoys. You can see it on your screen here and was pretty much set sail. I guess you, uh, there's no, no cells on it, but set off. It was a float. Yeah, trying to run on this contraption all the way to so London. So it looks like a shark cage with flotation buoys, as you mentioned. I like, wonder what his supply, the supplies were inside the contraption. He, he did have food. The article, I did not see list how long his rations would have lasted, but he ultimately was found 70 miles off the coast of Tybee Island, Georgia. And the Coast Guard had to bring him back. He did not want to be brought back, but this uh, this happened. Oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the the most recent hurricane that was coming. But they were like, because dude, the hurricane was coming, they had to get him. Yeah, out of they're water. like, dude, you're gonna die. He's like, I know, I know what I signed up for. I'm fine. Uh, but there was obstruction of justice, and because they said no, we're gonna take you off. He made a bomb threat, uh, so that also didn't help his case there. And um, he, he's a guy that's pretty much just admitted, like, I want to try this. He's done it before and he was trying to go from i, I can't make a bomb threat in the middle of the ocean he's like i got a bomb on here yeah it's just, it just it seems like a good way to smuggle drugs or people into uh, the country he also threatened to kill himself according to uh reports so cuba's I mean, you, you only have like to be out of your mind to try this cuba's like 70 miles i think from miami uh to go there and across the ocean as could this be a contraption because if you saw this in your coast guard don't you just assume someone's smuggling something so did he, oh yeah he did this without running people knowing? in one of these contraptions yeah. so no one knew he was trying this no I mean, he might have told I, like a friend or two but i i kind of want people to get behind it and go fund me this thing and i want to see him try again one time he tried I'm, to go I'm up to new york now, but he ended up 30 miles south because running, of the currents sir. if we had a daily drone shot of him in the ocean <laughs> trying to make it i would watch this every day david blaine is trying to do this now but he's gonna do it underwater the entire time holding his breath coming up our nfl picks for the weekend elimination style going into thursday night football and we'll discuss offensive and defensive coordinators